0: T.G. Geeks, episode 167, April 30th, 2018. Geeks and Opera and Avenging Rabbits. Hello, and welcome to another webcast from TGGeeks.com, where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery, sci-fi, comics, film, horror genre, you name it, we talk about it, including opera. I'm Keith Lane, we're coming to you from TG Squared Studios in lovely Phoenix, Arizona, and that's all I'm going to (laughs) say.
1: Okay, and I'm Ben Raginton, also coming to you from with still very, very shaky legs after last Tuesday's press screening of uh, Infinity War here in Phoenix, Arizona.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that in the second segment. Spoiler free, spoiler free. So not not to worry, not to worry. So we're going to, we have a... But I want to say who everybody dies. Yeah, well, no, not everybody well, okay,
1: I just want to list some of the, the people The whole
0: that world died. doesn't die. No, but I want to list all the people that did. Oh, well, anyway. So, um, we will uh, got an interesting interview for you here now. So, let's get to it. And this time we have a special guest all the way from the United Kingdom, Mr. Sam Johnson, creator and writer of Geek Girl. Welcome to the show, Sam. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, tell us who is Sam Johnson, and what is it that you do? You uh, we said comic book uh, writer, creator, writer of Geek Girl. So tell us tell us who you are, and tell us about Geek Girl.
2: Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. I'm 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 Sam. I'm originally from London. Uh, I've moved to Sheffield in in the north of England, and lived here for many years now uh yeah i write comics uh the almighty's is one of my books uh co-create with mike gagneau which is like a superhero parodying type thing uh geek girl is is uh probably my most well-known one uh geek girl is ruby k a hot popular college chick who uh, is used to getting what she wants. And when her and her friend Stacy over here, the resident college brainiac Trevor Goldstein, talking about these super tech glasses he's invented that give the wearer flight and strength powers, uh, everybody's drunk and she decides she wants them and and gets them more drunk and beats him in a game of strip poker. Uh, So she's landed these glasses. Uh, Now, she's not a type of person who would necessarily think, oh, this, uh, this means I'm a superhero. Her first instance of using her powers it just involves klutziness and knocking drinks over her too-cool-for-school click and alienating them, with the exception of Summer, her, her best friend who is into superheroes and comics and drives her to use them in the way that we as comic readers will be familiar with. Oh, that sounds
1: interesting. I I love <laughs> the fact that she won it during a game of strip poker. There, there's a certain irony to this, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, this is something that, that, uh, kind of comes back. Uh, cause the thing is that she changes, uh, it, at the beginning of the first mini series, uh, she's, you know, she's kind of an it girl, uh, fairly self-involved, uh, not used to doing things to help other people and, uh, there's a development there's a character arc in that first mini series and when we come to the new one uh things are going to be a little different interesting so i i thought it
0: was kind of interesting that she has these glasses that are the things that give her the superpower so it, it's kind of a an inverse of uh the superman and clark kent yeah
2: <laughs> yeah absolutely the the whole thing is because you know uh you've got you if you if you think of like the original peter parker and clark kent these these are the the sort of nerdy un, uncool uh guys and then they become these cool superheroes whereas she is this cool kid who uh kind of becomes a bit of a mess <laughs> when <laughs> she uh when she gets these powers not being used to uh using them and and uh, she has to try and uh, get a handle on that especially as in, in the first series, which which we we in that there's a free comic book day digital comic coming out on free comic book day that uh, kind of recaps and and replays the climax of the first series, which in, entails her taking on this big bad villainess, Lightning Storm, who's trying to kind of take control of the city and is taking out points of authority and taking down superheroes. So it's quite a, a baptism of fire uh, to get her to the point where she you know can. Actually, go up against and try and stop this this new badass mysterious villain
1: yeah. there 's
2: some interesting twists that you 're taking here i mean t- uh,
1: the, the whole superhero genre uh, mixing it you know with with geek culture i mean you 've really kind of taken these two things, you merge them together, you turn it on its ear i I think this it 's a nice fresh take where, where Where the heck did you you know pull that out of your head
2: uh, I, I, I just the way I came up with Geek Girl was um, Image Comics, uh, a studio, Shadowline Studios within Image, we're running. Who wants to create a in contest? And I just, I just, you know, literally sort of brainstorm ideas for uh, for superheroes, um, and developed it f- further from there. I've came up with three ideas and decided this was one I really wanted to pursue. Um, and yeah, it's you can describe it as kind of Mean Girls meets superheroes and that yeah the mean girl element is is a key part in it with i'm mean, like Karin carpenter is is like the sort of leader of the uh, the core cool kids clique who's who's you know got barbed comments for for ruby and uh plays an important all all of the, these girls play an important role and will continue to do so in the new series where things change because in the first series you know she kind of alienated them acting dorky and so forth uh, they didn't take the whole super thing seriously, thought it was, you know, the fantasy. And then by the end of the miniseries, she has she saved their city from lightning storms. So whereas they distance themselves from the uncool Geek Girl, Geek Girl is now the saviour of where they live, Maine. Uh, so they might want to, you know, reassociate with Ruby, soon as they like to be part of what's popular.
0: So how many... Uh... Or uh, issues issues is the original series.
2: Uh, well, there was an issue zero back in the day, uh, a long time ago, uh, that gets recapped in what is the first four issue mini series that's that's available in in uh, as a collection as well. Geek okay. Girl, uh, Lightning Strikes. Oh, cool! I want to back up a little
1: bit. Uh, I, I'm interesting that uh, you're talking about comic books. What what was the genesis for you to wanting to get into this particular industry? I mean, did, did you well, have, did you show any kind of talent, you know, pro- or proclivity towards towards artistry and storytelling as a child?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, a, a little bit. I mean, I I always wanted to get into writing, and at the 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 time uh, where I was sort of deciding exactly what I wanted to do in terms of career, I just got back into comics uh, when I came across. Rob Liefeld's stuff on New Mutants, introducing Cable and Deadpool, that got me back into comics properly. And at this time, Image Comics again were running talent search contests where you could submit like pictures for one-shots starring their characters. So that got me into it, and uh, and, uh, sort of you know as, as a sort of starting point. And then Wizard Comics magazine. Uh, ran one of those as well that I came joint second in so this this got me hooked and this is like yeah I'm, I'm going to write comics this is what I'm doing
1: mm-hmm. so uh, when you uh, do you do the, the artwork as well because I know that mo- most comic book um, creators they either write or they draw they don't necessarily do both what exact role do you have in, in doing this or are, are you really the master of all trades in this
2: Oh no no no! I'm I'm the writer. Uh, I mean, you only have to look at my handwriting to see how terrible I would be as an artist. <laughs> so the artist is, is Carlos Grander, uh, who's, who's a, a fantastic artist. He uh, it, it took a long time to find. The right Because Geek Girl Zero uh, was done by a girl, Sally, who who was just doing it as a sort of experiment. It's not her usual kind of thing. She does more manganese slice-of-life stuff. But the Zero issue worked because it was just sort of centered in, in Ruby's college world. And it was, you know, about, you know, college girls and everyone looking distinctive from each other. And it, it worked in that context. But when we went into, you know, she's a proper superhero now. We need a more widescreen screen. Uh, thing and uh, yeah it took a long time to find the right eyes in, in Carlos uh, and he is he is the man for the job and the artist Chun is excellent as well as is uh, the, the letterer uh, so it's it's a great team and happily it's a team that has continued from the first series into
1: the new one. Well, I love consistency, and I'm looking at some of uh, the artwork right now, and I've got to admit, I'm really impressed with the quality of it. Yeah. I mean that that's worthy of something that you might see in a Marvel or a DC uh, line.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I could see, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I am proud of it, and I'm proud that it, you know, it stands up against the likes of those. Because you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Marvel fan. Um, yeah, I mean, Carlos, uh, you know, he, he, he nails it. And again, as I mentioned with, with Sally, uh, while it's important, obviously, that he can you know draw superhero action and so forth. Once again, as, as with Sally, there's a lot of female characters in this and you don't have to think about who's who. You know, they all look clearly distinctive from each other and he brings individual body language to them. So, he, you know, he's, he's, he's the man for the job.
0: Well, that's that's really cool. So tell us where you can you can be found as far as the the you have a trade issue out or are the individual available of the issues.
2: Well, if you go to uh, geekgirlcomics.com, dot com, that links to just about everything that there was like limited variants uh of the first mini series you can still get those there one of one one of them is really cool by um john royal who took over from J. scott campbell on danger girl uh and it also links to buying the the collection at uh, amazon so uh yep yeah, geekgirlcomics.com you can you can find what you want Geek Girl zero is uh out of print um we had a good run with that i mean that's that was some years ago we put that out and we had three printings of it but uh the only remaining copies of that are uh, available from me. So anyone that uh, wants that one would, would need to contact me directly. Uh, and you can find me on Facebook. If you've got friends that are into comics, it's not unlikely we've got mutual friends. Uh, uh, if if that isn't the case, again, geekgirlcomics.com will links to the Geek Girl Facebook group, which I'm obviously quite uh, prominent in. Well, that's cool. So how long have you been at this? Yeah. Um, I've been at this a, a long time. It took me some. Oh come on, you look like you're twelve
1: here. in your photo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh
2: well that photo isn't that up to date, to be fair. Uh but I do I do look younger than I am. Uh but yeah, I mean it's I I've been getting published for good few years now uh, which was really facilitated a lot by the internet and being able to do things that you couldn't before back in the day it was just a case of going to cons and sending stuff off to publishers and it's really the the contacts I've made online that have got me into things properly and you know and, and one thing leading to another so yeah, I mean, Geek Girl Zero came out in two thousand and nine, wow. so it was around about that sort of time where I, where I started getting published. And Marcozzi are the publisher for um, the, the mini series. And and what was good about the deal with them was they were they believed it enough that they were they were committed to to do a second series before we even knew how the the first one would go down, which is was really important to me because it's you know it's something I'm invested in. That I love, and uh, you know, I have long-term plans for. Like the intention, I I spend a lot of time building up the audience for it, um, and the intention is to have, after we've done the second mini-series, at some point the audience be big enough that we can justify the third series being an ongoing. Have you thought about doing any kind of like expansion of of this little universe? You know,
1: uh, creating new characters. You know, next thing you know, you know, creating your own. Uh, geek universe for the comic books. Uh, have, 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 is that something that you've considered uh, at any point?
2: Oh yeah, that's kind of that's kind of in in the uh, sort of background of, of what I'm doing at the moment. Because one of the things I love about comics is having that crossover element and. We've got. Uh, I've had a, a, another character of mine, Carbraccini, voodoo junkie, hit woman. Has wow, a that's a title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> People take the title. Um, I mean, I'd hate to be the. I'd hate to be the that Says, oh no, it's you know spill out the names like wow but by the time you've got it out she's cut your. yeah exactly <laughs> uh but yes she is is an ex crack whore turned um, oh god supernatural dumb <laughs> for hire okay it's getting and, better by the second yeah yeah it's uh it's uh, one of my favorite characters um she's appeared in HM comics used to run a, an anthology called effects and she appeared in four issues of their their annual Hanu- halloween issue um, anyway what i'm getting to is is she i've got a, there is a mini series for her that's that's not far from p- completion but i want her to come into the geek girl universe i've got a, a, a very specific idea in mind for that uh, so the intention is well more than the intention it will happen that she will come in in the third series so we've got that going on there's a character um in the almighty's uh, i mean the almighty's is a much more comedic affair so you've got to be a little difficult with crossing over with that because it's it's you know it's it's kind of like family guy humor um so it's not you know it doesn't have the sort of realness uh feel of geek girl but yeah the, the, there's an intention to bring one of the characters from that in so yeah i enjoy the whole whole crossover thing and uh yeah as i say what, what i am planning with Carborough is, is quite a key thing for, for what I have in mind for the third series.
1: Is it, uh, so you've mentioned, uh, to my count so far, uh, you've mentioned two superheroes, both women. Is this, uh, a, a gender avenue that you like to go down, you know, uh, you know, female power, female representation as heroes. Is, is this something intended or is it just, just the way it all worked out?
2: no it is it is something i enjoy writing i mean my, my two characters that i'm I'm kind of most invested in a are, are carver and geek girl uh but i i mean the almighty's there's the all but one of the members are uh male um so it's not something i do exclusively and we have as well in geek girl uh a character pitbull the the jock superhero who uh is who's a fun character and uh, is is back for the new mini Um so yeah, I, I kind of I do sort of gravitate towards writing uh strong female characters, but at the same time I, I certainly enjoy uh the male ones. I mean the, the, the League of Larcenists are the new uh bunch of villains that are coming gonna be coming up in the new series and uh they're predominantly male and and comedic and um fun to write. What are some of the challenges
1: that you faced, I mean, right, between writing uh, a female character uh, versus a male? I mean, as, as a male writer yourself, what are some of the, like I said, what are some of the challenges that you've had to face in trying to create characters like that?
2: Um, I really, I, it, it comes naturally to me. I mean, I've, I've been writing stuff with female leads from from back in the day before before I was getting published. Um, I wrote a, a, a Great long uh, arc for this character called Rebecca Black. Nothing to do with the terrible singer. um, What happened with that though was I found there was elements of it that, in hindsight, that was you know I learned kind of part of what was learning my craft was I, I wrote like about 30 issues of two separate series, but it was, it was a learning thing. These won't see print, you know, it, this was the early days and I can see now there were things in it that didn't quite work, but plenty of it did work. And and uh, in fact, this Rebecca Black thing, um, there's elements of that um, that I'll be bringing to the third Geek Girls series, including this this Carbaccini thing. That was where I first wrote Carbaccini with her, the first... Uh, scene i ever wrote with her is, is one of my favorite scenes which is just a kind of scenery chewing this is a total crazy badass characters she's just going around the supermarket uh, to buy tampons uh smoking a <laughs> cigarette as she does and uh the gives the the teller quite a hard time and uh is just generally unhinged and over the top uh and uh yeah it's 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 fun and and kind of that yeah, I'm like I, w- I want to do more with this character. This is not your daddy's comic book I, yeah. no.
1: <laughs> I wasn't seeing th- no. I wasn't seeing anything like this when I was buying comics in my teenage
2: years, I got to admit, I'm pretty impressed yeah, yeah. so uh, uh you know, go ahead no, no, that's I just i'd say i'm I'm looking forward to because uh, i I't you know at this point i haven't. Though I've got these ideas of what I want to do with the third series of Geek Girl and it involved Carver, I haven't, at this point, actually written anything uh, with the two of them together. So I, 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 at this point, I don't even know sort of what that interaction is is going to be like. But I think it will be, I think it will be enjoyable. Yeah.
1: Have you experienced any kind of hankering to write uh something that's completely independent and outside of this, you know, like at a completely different genre, like something that's maybe like like pure drama or horror or sci-fi, I mean something just something unrelated uh sort of like like as a
2: brain cleanser, shall we say? Um not really. I mean, I've I've written stuff that like the the first thing I had published was uh uh, a more kind of crime type thing that was that was done quite straight. But even then, there's like, when I wrote stuff for anthologies, I was kind of setting up or introducing things that would then be part of a, a bigger thing. For example, the, the, the Gold Town uh, is the one I'm referring to. And in that, there's a connection between that and uh, Mr. Mashup, who's one of the geek girl villains, who uh, is is this twisted uh bastard love child of a uh, a goddess and a demon who can tap into people's minds and he's got this vessel inside of him he can transform into a clone of them transfer his consciousness into that and this he he can sort of shed his skin and come out in the form of this vessel so to to any to the layman he is now this person and and what he does is in the case of Ruby, he taps into the minds of people uh, and finds who they most hate uh, and then torments them. So in the case of Ruby, as happens in the first series with Mr. Mashup, it's it's Karen Carpenter. And so he, in Ruby's eyes, is Karen Carpenter when they're interacting. And he goes way, way hard on her, uh, given that she's already, right, Karen is already, you know, not the nicest person in the world, uh, Mashup takes it to the next level.
1: I Okay, I, I got to back up a little bit. This, this really has me very, very intrigued now uh, because you have just described uh, during the course of our conversation some of the most incredible characters I have ever heard of. I want to address Mr. Mashup. Wow, where I, I don't even know how to ask this question. <laughs> where do you come up with a character like that?
2: Well, I, I always reference um, Grant Morrison's run on Doom Patrol is, is, is out there and with some of the weirdest superhero stuff. And that was something I was really into and it, and it has been a, a great influence on, on me. And from, from that, I've kind of been able to get into a sort of thinking weird mode zone. Um, and that is, I think, where I came, how I came up with uh, mashup, and also 100% is how I came up with Carbaccini. Uh, as anyone that's not familiar with uh, Grant Morrison's run on Doom Patrol uh, that likes a bit of weird, I would highly recommend it. And also, currently the the new run of it being written by Gerard Way, which has quite a, a similar feel and, and keeps the, keep the keeps the weirdness going. So yeah, it's uh, I think without that. Uh, my writing would be different. That's been been a huge influence, and and though it's not sort of prevalent in Geek Girl, which is a lot more grounded than Doom Patrol, I think in certainly in Geek Girl and in in my other projects, you can see threads there that that spring from the influence of uh, Mr. Morrison.
1: So you're just saying that, like when you came up with the character uh, mashup that you just started pulling ideas out of your head. Oh, wouldn't it be great if he had this kind of parentage? And, oh, my word, if he could do this. And you and you just start, like, <sighs> writing notes down, like, wow, this would be great if he had these characteristics, et cetera. And then you just kind of, like, mashed, you know, pardon the pun, mashed it all together <laughs> and say, this is the villain I want. Is I mean, is, is that kind of how you describe yeah,
2: it? Yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, with with Carver, I just had this sort of basic idea that she was going to be this, this over-the-top scenery-chewing uh, character and and I just just wrote it and from there I, I had this this singular scene that kind of I, I really liked and from there I built her her backstory and and how she actually became this this sort of deranged lady uh, and that's all that all goes into the mini series so that though that kind of like the starting point for me as the writer was her being. Or whacked out. Um, when we sort of expand on things, she she wasn't so you know strange and, and brutal at first. And that's uh, you know we'll get to explore the character and and see what what took her to this point when when we get to the miniseries. So, uh, with these characters, obviously each one has got their their
1: own unique voice. Now th- this is a question I love to ask writers. Uh, because it doesn 't matter if you write a book or if you 're writing a graphic novel if you 're a writer I, I kind of think you know, there's there 's some kind of a a similar process that 's got to be going on in people 's heads so uh, with each each of these characters is obviously really unique in the way they present themselves. Um, how fully formed are they in your head? I mean to the point like do you almost can you almost like hear them speak to you as, as you 're writing a story and and uh, the follow-up to that is, if it ever has it at any point while you've been working on a story, just has it evolved into a completely unique direction that you never expected it to go?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, Peter David had a line about um, sort of if when you when you come up with these ideas, you may have like, oh, this is a, a this particular thing I, I want to do, and I'm I'm building to this, and this is going to be a you know, standout point, and then. And his 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 expression involved getting rid of these things um, because, for example, in in the the second series of of Geek Girl, uh, the Geek Girl at the heart of it is um, the relationship between Ruby and and Summer, Summer being the the, the BFF who pushes her into being a heroine. And um, yeah, I had, whereas in the first mini series, things were plain sailing. Uh, things are get rocky in their relationship in the series too, And uh, when they kind of come together, I had I had very specific things that I had in mind to do with it and, and specific lines. But then when, when you're writing it and you're writing these, you know, people in inverted commas, then their actions kind of, you know, you, it, it can go another way. Um, Cause it is just an idea until you actually, you know, start tapping it out. And then, um, yeah, and and the the plans I originally had for the second Geek Girl miniseries are what we now have a, a very very different. Um, and one of the things that I enjoy about it, um, and and that I got worked in the first series, is that it's it's unpredictable. And with with the free comic book day uh, digital comic, there's a, a big reveal at the end of that because. Where we stand going into that is at the end of the first miniseries, Geek Girl versus Lightning Storm. They kind of took each other out, and Geek Girl got electrocuted. So we don't know, you know, we don't know whether they're they're alive or dead. And through the course of the free comic book, they will see exactly what's going on with Ruby. And then after that, there's a, an ad for the for the new one, which I've, I've deliberately not posted anywhere yet because I, pe- I want people to see that when they they. Uh, get through the the uh comic and uh yeah this is this is uh i would hope uh, an unexpected direction for the readers
1: well i'm glad you mentioned unexpected because the question just came to my brain uh one when you were writing these stories has there ever been a development
2: or a twist that surprised you um i'm not sure if, if i'd go that far no um i mean i've like with Cabra and with Geek Girl, I've got very, you know, these are kind of character arcs. These are characters that are developing. So I've got a definite, you know, this is where I want to go from and to. But there are certainly, I I, I like to, you know, not do a, if, if you think of sort of Hollywood movies, there, there tends to be a, a kind of, you know, structure to the narrative where you kind of, sense right what where you are and and you have an idea of where things are going to be going and i've thrown some curveballs in there and I, and there's a moment in the uh the second series that hopefully will be jaw-dropping to people so i can't say that things have, have massively surprised me and myself but uh i think I, I keep things fresh and i think that there's plenty of surprises for the readers
1: cool so so the places where some of these can be found because you've mentioned free comic book day and that is may 1st if i'm not mistaken may 5th. May 5th. May, 5th. Excuse me. may 5th may 5th so and uh so uh what exactly for our listeners um
2: what what can they find on free comic book day then so the the digital comic is geek girl whatever happened to ruby K? uh which the the cover is a kind of uh homage or pastiche of whatever happened to baby jane uh film post oh you uh, just geeked me out in a big way by saying <laughs> that uh so yeah so um that's that's that and that's going to be available at, at the free comic book day facebook group or if you if you join the uh, the Geek Girl mailing list at geekgirlcomics.com, you automatically get sent a copy of this to you. So there's that, and then uh, hopefully things will will be put together enough that in the back of that, when it comes out, there'll be a link to pre-ordering the new one. And yeah, everything will be available at the Geek Girl Comics website. Um, I, I don't know if this will still be the case when this this show goes out, but currently uh, while well, it's available at, at Comixology, they're currently doing the whole first miniseries at half price as part of a a, a thing that the co- the uh, the publisher Marcosio are running, where they they, they they sometimes do these things where they just basically put all their books out uh, half price for a short amount of time. So as I say, I I don't know when that ends, but certainly worth uh, checking out on Comicsology and seeing if uh, you can get in at, uh, at half price. And th- 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 there was a jump on issue issue three. Um that recaps previous issues, and that's uh, because that was specially priced for that reason that's you can get that for ninety nine cents if if this offer's still on, but if not, it's only one ninety nine so that that won't break the bank
1: all yeah. right i and I gotta admit you just earned some serious cred, some serious geek cred by referencing whatever happened to baby Jane, a young yeah. lad like you, knowing that movie. I'm impressed.
2: Oh, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. so young as they, don't. Don't. Don't worry about that. That picture. Uh, but, but no.
0: Seriously, I'm looking at uh, a teenager. It's a great picture. It's a good picture. No, no. It's a really good picture. But I'm
1: looking. I'm looking at a child. I mean, Keith and I are. Yeah. We're. We're in our. I'm 56. You know, oh, yeah. Keith. Keith is a tiny bit older than me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up with that movie, but for someone as youthful as you, I'm, I've got to admit, I'm terribly impressed that you're familiar with that film.
2: Yeah, yeah well, I, the the thing that kind of uh, brought it mostly uh, to my attention was, I, I don't know if you're aware of Shakespeare's sister. I don't know if they had much of a presence in America. Uh, uh, you, do you know Bananarama? Oh, yes, I know Bananarama. So, uh, Siobhan uh, Faye Fay out of Banana Rama formed a a, a, a quite uh, edgy or alternative whatever term you want to use group. Really? And their their first I th- think it was their first single. Certainly one of the, the first singles off one of their albums were the the um their videos a big sort of uh, pastiche of, of whatever happened to Baby Jane. Uh which I'd rec- I'd recommend checking out their, their stuff, Shakespeare's Sister, weirdly spelt without an E on the end of Shakespeare. Uh uh, they're great. They're great. So yeah, that's that's kind of how I'm I'm familiar with that. But uh, it it just it just fits because the whole thing is you know we don't know what's going on with Ruby after um the end of the first mini series. So whatever happened to Ruby K is is a good title. And then having had that title, I'm like, oh, that'd be quite cool to sort of play on the. You know the Baby Jane thing. So the, the the cover of the miniseries is 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 totally, you know, as I say, a kind of homage uh, to to the movie poster. Yeah. Well, again,
1: I See. think yeah, serious geek points on pulling something like that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: I, just to be clear, I am 44. Despite the picture looking oh, you're just quote, a child. holy moly! Well, well, you found the fountain yeah, of youth. Yeah, but that is an old that is an old picture. I mean, I do. I I have up yeah, until yeah, you were 14 when you took been... that
0: photo, huh? <laughs> they had
2: cameras yeah. back then. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I I'm a big vodka fan. And uh, up until recently, I have regularly been ID'd, and I'm now questioning whether I'm through that phase now, because it hasn't <laughs> happened in the last few months, but I'm still getting ID'd by inv- Vodka up until recently. So hey, wow. it does, it's like at my my day job, um, when I had to bring in like ID, um the the guy was looking at my passport and he saw the um the date of birth and was seriously questioning it and i actually because i'd worked there before he actually spoke to some people that i'd worked with to verify (laughs) that that i was the age i said i was because this was a whole you know security thing uh so uh yes uh so yeah but well
1: don't question it appreciate it (laughs) because uh, you're 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 going to start to i mean keith and i both look pretty good for our age you will reach that point where you'll be really glad you got that baby face so don't fret it Uh, you know relish it while you can
2: i always i mean i i I occasions found it frustrating getting id'd by vodka but now as i say it hasn't happened recently i kind of want it to happen Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah now that it's stopped
0: (laughs) So I wanted to. Uh, I just looked at the Geek Girl uh, comic book page on Facebook, and I noticed that you have Barbara Dillon and Hannibal oh, Taboo. And, those are fake. Uh, those are names yeah, we know. Some people that right, uh, yeah. we've talked to regularly. Barbara and Bryant are really fabulous people at Fanbase Press, and.
2: Yes, yes, they, a, they've been yeah. uh, they've been a good uh, good support of the comic. Uh, Jody Scaife, that reviews for them uh, is is really into it and is on is on on the mailing list and right. has always given it great reviews. So yeah, I've got a, a good connection with them. Yeah, well,
0: while you guys were talking, I, I was doing all the the Facebook and Twitter stuff. So oh. you're going to go to your Twitter and your Facebook, and they're going to be we bombarded. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have descended so, upon you. Yeah, so. Okay. So uh if anybody wants to learn more
1: about um you and uh all all things geek girl. Um we we mentioned that obviously, you know, there's geekgirls.com, but is there any other kind of social media presence by which people can then go to and, and read more about either Geek Girl or you in particular?
2: Yeah, I mean Geek Girl Facebook group is is a really good one and you you should be seeing uh previews from the new series ahead of its release on there. Uh, my my Twitter handle is is Sam Johnson D A Sam Johnson. There's also a, a Ruby K Twitter which is uh Ruby underscore K there's an E on the under K and then underscore again. Um any any problems finding anything as I say if you go to geekgirlcomics.com dot that, com that links to the Facebook group and I'm I'm prominent on there. So you shouldn't have to do too much stalking to track me down.
0: Yeah. So you have the first series that's available and you've got a free comic book day digital comic coming out for May 5th for free comic book day. So we are looking forward to seeing that. Thanks for being on the show this time.
2: No problem. Thank you for having me. Hi, this
1: is Queen Karishma. And you're listening to The Two Gay Geeks.
0: Uh, I'll never get tired of that. <laughs> the Queen Krishma, yeah, that was just one of those things that just happened by accident. <laughs> and here's a few selected birthdays for April 30th through May 6th. April 30th, Clara Slichtman. Look, Woo! I don't have a don't have a horse. I don't have a horse. Winnie, I don't have a horse I we may trying. need to actually <laughs> cut that out of a out of a movie or something or <laughs> yeah. a sound effect. Yeah. Also, Gal Gadot. Kunal Nayar and Johnny Galecki on the same day. On the same day, I imagine think we that. made uh, some comment about that last year. Maybe we and, did. And I only put this next one in here. Lee Francis, I don't know who he is, but on the website that I was uh, that I do birthdays from, yeah, they had Graham Norton's photo on Lee Francis's. Picture. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's that's like, weird. Uh, no, <laughs> I thought. Does he have a different name? I don't think he does. (laughs) No, he doesn't. (laughs) It's somebody completely different. Wow. (laughs) And also on April 30th, Alice B. Toklas. Oh, I could use some good brownies. Good brownies. And Al Lewis. Grandpa. Grandpa. Yeah, Grandpa Munster. May 1st, Wes Anderson, Joanna Lumley, and our friend Megan Zier from back in the Slice of Sci-Fi days. May 2nd. Engelbert Humperdink. 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 Yes. Which it, Humperdink? The singer. Oh, not the composer. Not the composer. Or the prince. Or the prince. No. Also on May 2nd, Davis Suchet. Yes. Davis Suchet. Yeah, I've had something to drink already. And Christine Baranski and Roy Roberts, the Bionic Geek. Happy birthday, Roy. May 3rd, Ann B. Davis. Alice. Alice. And Bing Crosby and Niccolo Machiavelli was born in 1469, and we've been dealing with the mad Machiavelli since then. We've been dealing with him ever since. Yeah. And May 3rd, Steven Weinberg, famed physicist uh, that we've seen a number of times in uh, several different things. He's uh, was University of Texas, I think, or something. Oh, like that. Yeah. okay. I know. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, and Ron Popeil of the Popeil Pocket Fisherman, among other things.
1: Okay, that's way, a, that's reaching
0: way back in the '60s. That's reaching. I'm not. I'm not familiar with you. Him. Don't know who Ron Popeil was. Can't say that oh I do. Oh my God, he had all of these crazy things. My grandparents bought virtually everything he ever sold on TV. Uh, the Popeil Pocket Fisherman was truly was a. A, a a thing I am not familiar with. They that. actually bought one of those. Also on May third, Betty Comden, who wrote, as, my God, she did everything: mm-hmm. screenwriter, just scriptwriter, uh, composer, right. along with Adolph Green. They did so many different things. Uh, Singing in the Rain is the 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 big big one, right? And uh, also on May third, friend of ours, Zoe de Grand Mazon. Oh, yes, from Morning After. Morning After, yes. May 4th, Roberta Peters. I didn't know she sang. Yes. She is a famed opera singer. She is an opera singer. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Long story there. Also, Audrey Hepburn. May 5th, Roger Rees, Lance Henriksen, Pat Carroll. Oh. run for kind of, Souls. Souls. And John Reese Davies. I wonder if he's related to uh, Russell T. Davies. It's, it's, it's oh, he's, he's John God. R. S. Uh, there was another generation and then T. Davies. No? Uh-huh. Okay. Henry Cavill, Michael Palin, James Beard, the who the uh, James Beard was his name after. And my nef- our nephew, Andy Hill. May 6th, Orson Welles, Sigmund Freud, Willie Mays, and Mr. Brian Brown, who we probably, neither one of us would have been doing anything like this it weren't for if him. it hadn't been for Brian Brown yeah, he's, he's, and Michael Menegue. Yeah, Yeah, between those two. Yep. And that's it for the birthdays this time.
1: Technorama, the podcast for geeks, because geeks are better than cool. You don't hear someone say, get away from me, you cool person. Who's going to have their 65-inch home theater system installed by the cool squad? Not Not me, me. that's for sure. How much cool cred do you have? Not enough to care about. Think you'll find any canned unicorn meat at thinkcool.com? It's just a part domain name. They don't even have roadkill in a paper cup. That's why you need to start listening to Technorama, because that's what geeks do. Go to ChuckChat.com and listen to Technorama before you Turn turn cool.
0: Hopefully we're not too cool to listen to Technorama. Go cool to give a listen to our friends Chuck and Craig over there at Technorama. Find them at ChuckChat.com slash Technorama. And now what is this? What is this
1: noise? I dunno, but it keeps changing in volume. And there's only so much time in the episode. It's done. Great. Anyway, starting with, yes, it's feedback time. Starting with episode 166, we had a uh, little bit of feedback there, which we greatly appreciate because that was one of the most enjoyable episodes we've ever done. Yeah, it was a lot With of fun. Uh, Queen Karishma, Vanessa Cater... And Katrina Law.
2: Yeah. and it was great. Uh, oh,
1: my God. It was so
0: much fun it just was so sitting there fun. in the hotel room with with the studio audience, even. We had it an was, audience. Um, it was
1: wonderful. It was <laughs> unbelievably enjoyable. There was lots of laughter. And uh, starting off with a comment from good friend Hamish Downey, he writes, such a fun episode. Got a comment from Chimera the movie, in other words, Maurice Himes uh, he, on Twitter. He wrote, such a fun time. And then we got a uh, some feedback from all three of the lovely ladies. First, from Queen Karishma. She says, thanks for having us. I've never laughed harder. <laughs> and then Vanessa Cater. She says, Katrina, Karishma, and I talked about all things acting stunts, LA life, and how we solidified our friendship naked in a bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> and then Katrina, Law, she comes off with, uh, we had so much fun chatting with you. Bathtubs dot 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 yeah uh, you need to hear this episode if yes. you haven't already it's a one sixty six episode 166 go to it now this one is be... well after you finish this after one. you finish listen to this one yes uh then uh last week we had a little news item on our website it was an article 3 episode thoughts on the new Netflix series Lost in Space. And this generated some interesting feedback.
0: Yes.
1: Uh, we got a comment from Daniel Franks. He's uh, someone we met up at the uh, Prescott uh, the Prescott area. Yeah, Verde Valley. The Com- Verde Valley comic uh, book. Uh, yeah, Expo. Expo, right. And he writes, three episodes in, I thought it might have legs. Having finished it, I don't think it does. <laughs> it lost its legs. It's never had any. And then he got a comment from Arkel. And boy, he had a lot to say. I'll fly through this as quickly as I can. I finished the whole season the other day. And while there are some creative choices, I took issue with starting in media res not being one of them, as I think the story we got just wouldn't work if told chronologically. In other words, all of the flashbacks. Overall, I really liked it. I thought Parker Posey was fantastic as Dr. Smith and I had no problems with the kids. Though I'm uh, still uncertain as to what Penny did that got her approved for the Resolute. That's a good question. I will say that everything Parker's character does, you'll find is calculating, even when it doesn't entirely work, which is a nice bit of realism in my opinion. Even the good deeds. And honestly, I don't see why all the knots to the previous series would be considered a negative. Heck, I actually missed one of them until you pointed it out. All in all, I think my dad, who was the one who turned me onto the original series as he'd watch it as a kid, and we both saw the movie in the theaters together, would have liked this series. And like me, he'd be hoping for a season two. And then he finished Heck. If they'd even gone chronological here, we wouldn't even see the Jupiter in Two until like episode three at the earliest. Oh, and one more thing: the music on this show is fantastic. All I've got to say about um, the nods—the nods would be great, except when that is the most, in my opinion, the most creative thing in the entire show. Now I've got a problem. Uh, and then <laughs> I uh, haven't seen it. So no, you haven't seen it yet. And then we got a comment from Scott Linder who says, "I have to agree with Arkell. I'm liking this version of Lost in Space. As a fan of the original series and the movie, they did I liked it." I do like the plugs and Easter egg tributes tossed in. I would too if everything else was up to par. I do uh, the, The one thing I agree with Ben on is that I am not a fan of being thrown into this without being introduced to the characters and given some background. It really makes it hard to care for and relate to them. But in seeing four episodes, I do see why they did it. I look forward to finishing the season up and offering a better critique. Let me add this. Yes, my comment was. Uh, my article was three episode review. I've actually seen five, and my
0: opinion did not get any better.
1: Hmm. Enough said about that. And that is our feedback for this
0: week. We want to hear from you, as we've heard from all of our listeners so far. And if you have a comment that you want to make about our episodes or about any of the content that we put out on our website at tggeeks.com, you can comment there at the end of each article and the end of our Every episode we have a space for your comments. Mm-hmm. you have to scroll down a little bit, but we welcome your feedback oh we tell we us want what, the feedback We love your feedback good or bad we, we we can handle it. Tell us what you like about the show, what you don't like what if you have ideas for content, anything that uh anything you want to say to us, you can do it. you can do it on the website, you can do it on our YouTube episode, you can do it on Facebook. We on want your Twitter. feedback. We need your feedback. We're dying for your feedback. And you can even call us on our listener feedback line. Yes. And we'll play your comment on air. That's 469 TG Geeks. That's 469-844-3357. And as always, please play nice.
1: You don't need to hear their identification. They're the two gay geeks. They can go about their business. Move along. Okay um, then. Uh, since wow. Since we have limited time, we have as limited you said, time. yes, there's only. L- I'm, I'm keeping a timer on this, and we've got about 11 minutes. Uh, wow, a number of things to talk about here. First off, we had the enormous pleasure of seeing a workshop
2: yeah. of a brand
1: new commissioned opera called The Copper Queen, and we've got an mm-hmm. article on that on our website. Yeah. We uh that'll be in the show notes for this episode.
0: Um wow. Now t- for for our listeners that don't know what a workshop is, it it's uh this is a newly commissioned work. It was a a work that was commissioned by Arizona Opera and uh kind of started out by the Spark Commissioning Club mm-hmm. of Arizona Opera. They approved it and then John and Clint went to work and Those are the, the librettist and the composer. Uh, yep, and they did a a wonderful little piece Mm -hmm. and they did what it's called a workshop. They came and they worked with singers at Arizona opera and they kind of did a run through. It's Mm -hmm. more of a run through piano accompaniment run through of the opera. And they only did the first half here as i recall which we didn't unfortunately get, we missed we, we couldn't get, be to here. get to it but this was the whole thing and it was done at the uh, opera america national opera center in new york and that which is quite a big deal because opera america is really a, a big thing that I is mean, a big thing it's right there at lincoln center it's and, a very big thing and so this was a whole run through with some very professional singers and a, a a wonderful accompanist. Oh my God! He sat there and played for two hours mm-hmm. nonstop. Yeah. So it was really good, and that that's kind of what a workshop is. And then the next phase of something like this, of a newly commissioned work after being workshopped, is to kind of flesh it out a little bit more. They they already did that with Corey. Uh, what, I I cannot remember she, her name. El, Ellen
1: but, I, she I helped, Allison, but she helped. She helped with us refining uh, some of the the musical and and text.
0: Yep, and then they would set it to orchestra, and then kind of go from there. So mm-hmm. that's what a workshop is. Sorry. I so <laughs> anyway. Now that that's all been explained, uh, what did you think of it? I thought it was great. There were some. It, it was interesting to hear some of the music and how it played into the characters and what mm-hmm. was going on. Now, now, it was not completely staged. There were some limited stage direction because they were just in a very small hall. And I I couldn't hear all of the text, and that was part of the, the nature of the room. We should explain how cetera. it is that we were hearing this. Yeah, and it was uh, via a live stream over YouTube. So it was uh, a little difficult to hear all of it, but... Just what when the characters would talk about certain things, or they would be doing certain things, or there were certain characters that were singing, the music changed significantly. So oh, it was quite. not it was not necessarily light motifs, but a it was a structure to the music. There was some yeah, dissonance it, that was talked about when we talked about Julia and right and the Pop- Copper Queen is a actually a hotel. It's, in. it's a sort of true story. Bisbee, Arizona. Right. And it's about Julia Lowell, who is a—, a She was a as, prostitute. Well, a cowtown town courtesan. Yes. <laughs> as I call her. And she killed herself. And mm-hmm. she seems to be haunting this She's hotel. haunting a particular room. And so that that's what this uh, whole thing is about. It's set in current times. Somebody goes to visit, and then it does some flashbacks to Julia's time and, and forward and flashback and forward and as the music would change the music would change with what they were talking about yeah so as, was, as the
1: overall uh, story was advancing so was the music and i was i was just completely blown away by, by the quality of it yeah. I, it was it's astonishingly good
0: for an american work yep clint borzoni wrote the music and john Delos santos uh Wrote the libretto, and John is going to be here for... He's going to be the director of Maria de Buenos Aires. Oh, I can't wait to next see that. year, uh next season. Part of the Red Series. Yep. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed Copper Queen I, tremendously. I really, really liked it.
1: I cannot wait to see this thing finally polished.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because I
1: look forward to hearing it with a full orchestra, because when those melodic themes really took over... It was remarkably beautiful.
0: Exactly. So speaking of beautiful and speaking of opera. Yes. On Saturday, we went to see the Met live in HD production of Cendrillon, mm. which was fe- featuring the, uh, as I... Uh, How did you describe her? On Twitter as the always fabulous Joyce DiDonato. And she liked that. And the it wasn't two minutes after I posted that, and we were like two minutes from the the opera curtain. starting the yeah. curtain and she liked it and it's like oh my gosh i got liked by Joyce D. donato yeah well the funny <laughs> thing is i mean
1: her character does not actually she plays cendrillon just like 20
0: minutes into the yeah, opera yeah she
1: she has quite a while before she actually comes on stage so i mean and i keith and i've never seen this before we had no idea oh my god it I was mean, just I, incredible th- the only cinderella opera we've seen has been uh, a and in that one uh cinderella is there right at the very beginning so yeah. I kind of assumed the same, but no, she doesn't show for like twenty minutes. And right when she finally shows up, I twenty minutes into the performance, I thought, well, no wonder she was on Twitter. She had all this <laughs> yeah, time to exactly. kill.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, she loved the tweet. It was and it was great. I oh, I wept the, that third. What it, I, I guess it was third act. Yeah. but When it winds up with this, just stunning the love, love duets duet. Oh my between, god! Between uh,
1: and and uh, Prince Charming, it's just. Holy moly. I yep. mean, th- there's there's two spectacular love duets, but that second one oh, was my. just, it, it ripped your heart out. Yeah, just tears. It, tears. it was unbelievably beautiful, and I really think that opera needs to be part of um, the, 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 the regular opera literature these yeah, days. Yeah, exactly. It is remarkably beautiful. Yeah. So, so now, yes, the movie that everybody's talking about, that we're has, not talking about. We're not talking about because they don't want spoilers. Because a lot of people have not seen this movie yet; they're waiting. Uh, they're holding out.
0: I don't know. And I can't imagine Go why see it.
1: You, you have to see this film. You must see it now. And we're talking Avengers: Infinity War.
0: Oh, I thought you were talking about something else. No. Okay. Not really. Just the Infinity War. Yeah. Ah. Why do you think I was talking about something else? Uh huh. I will give you one spoiler. It starts uh, out with a blank screen. Imagine that. I'll
1: give you another one. There's closing credits with some really nice music. Yeah. And it ends with a blank screen. Yeah. There you go. That's the spoilers. There's your spoilers for this one. Uh, I do have a non-spoilery review on the website. Yes. So if people were afraid to actually read it because they thought I was going to spoil it. Hey, people, I don't do spoilery reviews, especially of movies that have not... that You know, when we catch uh, press screenings for, I will never give a spoilery review. Never, ever, 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 ever. It's just not cool. So, having said that, wow, all I can say is that I absolutely loved this movie.
0: I think this one has become my absolute favorite. Yeah, it was a really great film. And and I was talking about this with some co-workers on a... a we have a... Every other week, big to-do that we have a conference call with all of everybody, and um, we were talking about it, and I said it really, if you really look at it, the Avengers, I mean, not Avengers, but the Marvel movies are written for those that haven't read the comic books, mm-hmm. and I have, which I haven't, and I absolutely loved the film. I really did. It, was, it had
1: plenty of exposition in oh, there to yeah. fill in any gaps that you've got. Yeah. That I, I I mean, even an ex- explanation of the Infinity Stones. I mean, exactly. It, again, we've seen the Infinity Stones explain numerous times throughout uh, this entire Marvel saga and yet, each time it doesn't feel like we're rehashing. Yep. So that it's very well done there. I was very happy with this film, even though, uh, and I've said this repeatedly, I do not like the story from the comic book. I don't like it. I've got my reasons for not liking it. And yet, I walked into this movie and was just blown away. There were two moments where I gave, um, I, I kind of had what I, it's called my fist pump moment. Yeah. Where my my literally my hands just went up in the air and cheering at two different times in this film, it was so incredibly well done. And my legs were literally shaking when we walked out of the theater. Yeah. I, I was so overwhelmed by it. I, I, I loved it and I can't wait to see it again. It's a great film. <laughs>
0: And we had another busy week. Yes, we did. And for those that only listen to the webcast, shame on you. Please, please do us a favor. Go over to the website. We have lots of content going on. We're trying to publish something every day. And Ben's going to give you a rundown on what we published this yes. week. Yes. So uh, last
1: Sunday, we had a Spotlight Sunday on Miguel Rodriguez. This a is the Horrible ma- Imaginants. Horrible imagining. This is the man. He is one of those few people that help change our lives. Absolutely. Totally. Uh, and his, I will say that his, the Horrible Imaginings Film Festival is probably one of the most enjoyable events we have ever been to. I love them. I'm hoping, I don't know if we can get a chance to go to this one coming up uh in uh er, is it late August it's or early September. Se- yeah. I don't know if we can be able to pull that off. I certainly hope we can, but it's always a joy. Yep. And Miguel is an amazing individual. Absolutely. So then on Monday, of course, we had episode 166. That's the one we talked a little bit earlier with Queen Karishma Vanessa and Katrina Law. On Tuesday, Keith did a, a, he had an advance review of a fantastic book called *The Last Sun by Katie Edwards. Yeah,
0: going to be released on June the twelfth. Uh, so, look forward to picking it up.
1: Oh gosh, I, yes, absolutely. Uh, also, Tuesday we had the review that i would written for *Avengers: Infinity War*. So, if you want a non-spoilery review. Uh, But you haven't seen the film yet, you can always check that out. On Wednesday, Jeannie Koch came back with another one of her old classic, newly reviewed films, this time the 1947 film, The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. On Thursday, there were my three episode thoughts on the Netflix series Lost in Space. Lost in Space. Yeah. On Friday... Hamish returns with another installment of News Sushi. World Mar- famous. Yes, from uh, morsels of news from Japan and beyond. And also on Friday, uh, contributor Andrea Richoff also had a review for Avengers Infinity War. We also did our little commentary on Copper Queen. Copper Queen has the patina to succeed. And then uh, on Saturday, for our social Saturday, we spotlighted the Blue Ribbon Army. Or bra. Or bra for short.
0: Yeah. And that's what we spotlighted and carried in our website for this past week. You can find all of that at TGGeeks.com as well as entries on our Facebook page. Please visit and comment. As always, we got a little bit of uh, our our regular follow up items. Yeah, we got a calendar. If you got something, let us know. We'll put it on the calendar. We'll be glad to talk about it. Several new books for pre order Beth Cato's Roar of Sky. And this is the third book in the Blood of Earth series. And there's a pre order widget on the right hand side of the page. And the Last Son by Katie Edwards. We got a, a widget over there so that you can pre-order that. Please, please pre-order with these books. Uh, it means a lot to. It tells the, the publisher a lot. Exactly. So to keep keep pre-ordering those books. Phoenix Comic Fest takes place Convention Center May twenty fourth through the twenty seventh two thousand eighteen. And, as always, Arizona Opera has finished its season. However, next season is going to be great. Ooh, We've already talked very about excited. a couple of things. There's some really good stuff. Get your tickets at azopera.org. They also have a, a few things going on in the summertime, so check it out. You, you might be surprised. Check out the third edition of Podcasting for Dummies, written by T. Morris and Chuck Tomasi. Go to podcastingfordummies.com. And as everybody knows, we're huge supporters of independent creators, whether it's filmmakers, comic book artists, writers, artists, etc. Mm-hmm. Check them out. Buy their stuff. Support indie creators. Yes. Hashtag. Hashtag. But the hashtag comes in the front. Oh, hashtag support indie creators. Yes. All run together. Right. One word. One word. One word. No spaces. No spaces. It's hashtag.
1: Yes. Done. I'm done. Okay, good. <laughs> Special shout out to Doctor Who Talking Who and Human Arkle on Twitter. They have paperly issues that they publish, and we mention them because they carry our content quite regularly. Talk, uh, Doctor Who Talking Who's is the Doctor Who Fancast Guide. The Human Arkles is the Arkle Times Post Dispatch News. And you can find them by, first, Dr. Who Talking Who is at Talking Who on Twitter. And the Human Arkles on Twitter is at Arkle. That is A-R-K-L-E. And Arkle also has the incorrect Star Trek Voyager quotes on Tumblr. Check it out for a good laugh. Then Make sure you don't do it while you're at work because employers, they really don't kind of dig that sort of thing. They, They don't like that at all. So, yeah, do it in your own free time. Also, special shout out to the Facebook group, The Gay Geek, for allowing us to post our episodes on their page. We greatly appreciate it. Their URL is facebook.com slash group slash The Gay Geek. You'll have to request to join, but I recommend it because there's some really amazing stuff that goes on there. There's some fantastic conversation and some really beautiful artwork and photography that goes up there as well. So check it out, and as always, a special thanks to Jeremiah Rees, our moderator for allowing us. To, i got a funny feeling you have something you wish to share.
0: Yeah, and thanks, Jeremiah. I, there's also a, another one that's uh, re- posting our content regularly, oh, in another uh, paperly. It's the Byronix Semidiurnal Aggregator. Wow, it's, that's a mouthful. <laughs> B-Y-R-O-N-I-K apostrophe S, Semi-Diurnal Aggregator aggregator it's a paper paperly and it's b-y-r-o-n-i-k we'll put that in the show notes yeah so they're running our content regularly as well so thank you so much for that and as always we want to remind you to occasionally click on our amazon ads it's there's nothing you know you don't have to buy anything there's stuff at the bottom of each article and on widgets on the right-hand side of the page. It would be nice if some of the pre-order things, you would do that. But uh, thank you for checking out our Amazon ads. And lastly, check us out on iHeartRadio. Please rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Well, we got a couple of things that we can run next week. I just have not sure which yet. We're not sure which one. We're kind of waiting on some uh, some PR people to let us know whether we should run something uh, sooner rather than later. But uh, we We will will, have something. We do have a couple of interviews in the can, so uh, we're ready to go with that. Okay, that should do it for this episode of TG Geeks Webcast. Be sure to check out the article for this webcast episode. We're going to have several links on the page about things we talked about. And remember, you can comment on our Facebook page or our website, TGGeeks.com. Or you can leave us voicemail at 469-TGGeeks. That is 469-844-3357. From TG Squared Studios, I am Keith Lane. Thanks for listening. I bid you peace. Cheers and carrots.